Hey guys, Otaku Nate here. This is the second part of our Go Danner Mega episode, wherein I interview the absolutely lovely and legendary Tiffany Grant, who played the equally lovely Shizuru in Go Danner. As a heads up, I actually recorded this episode back at the end of August, well before Bronx and I recorded the actual episode. So there are some events that Tiffany brings up that have since passed by, but I decided to leave mention of them in there for posterity's sake. And with all that aside, let's get on with the interview. Anime fans, Otakunate here for the second part of our Godana review. And as promised, we have brought with us a very special guest. Introduce yourself, please. Hi, this is Tiffany Grant. I was the ADR scriptwriter, meaning I wrote the English language version of the scripts for Godana uh, both seasons. And in addition, I played the lovely and voluptuous Shizuru. <laughs> There's a lot to say about both the show and the character, but <laughs> before we dive right in, and obviously I don't yes. want this to go on for too long, uh, please uh, give us your background, what you've done, a little uh -huh. history about yourself. Obviously don't make it too sure. long, of course. Absolutely. Well, the basic gist of it is um, I've been working in the anime industry for nearly 30 years now, since February of 1994. And I've worked as a voice actor and as a script writer on hundreds of shows. And um, people know me best probably as Asuka Langley from the Evangelion franchise. And uh, I was also uh, Nojiko in One Piece. I was Marta in Full Metal Alchemist, uh, Laura Bodavig in Infinite Stratos, and hundreds of other shows. But uh, Godanner is definitely you know, they're near the top of my list. It was a project I very much enjoyed working on um, and participating in. There were there were some unique things about Godanner that really set it apart from um, most any other show that I've worked on. So it, it has uh, a lot of, you know, interesting backstory to it. There is a lot that can be said about Godan or both how ADV got a hold of it and the dubbing process. We're recording this before we do the big review, but when I drop the review proper, you are going to learn so much about the people who worked on the show, both behind the microphone and behind the scenes. Like, the director of Godanner worked on a show that you were in previously. Mm -hmm. The director of okay. Godanner was the director for New Cutie Honey. Oh, yep, excellent. And the scriptwriter, he was involved in a few other shows you were in. He was the main writer on the anime adaptation of Sorcerer Hunters. Oh, excellent. Yes, yes, that's one of my big titles. Uh-huh. And uh, he also wrote a few episodes of Martian successor Nadesco. Awesome, very good. Yeah, this is all kind of in that same era. 
Well, those are 90s series. Godanner is 2003. Right. In fact, yeah, no, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I meant that Sorcerer Hunters and Nadesco, because we did them one right after the other. <laughs> in fact, I think there was even... I think there was even a little bit of overlap of the time period when we, towards the end of recording Sorcerer Hunters, that we had started working on Nadesco. So that that's actually what I meant, is that we did those both in the 90s. Yes, obviously, Godanner was a little bit later than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to turn 20 years old this October. <laughs> that's bananas. So... You were at ADV Films when they first licensed Godanner. When yes. did you first hear of Godanner? Did you get like a sneak peek of it before the license was announced? And when you first saw the footage of it, what were your initial impressions? Uh, no, I mean, it was not, it's not a typical thing, no, um, that actors or writers, we would not have any idea about shows that were, you know, before any announcements were made or licensing or anything like that. But uh, Matt Greenfield, who was going to um, produce and direct the show, he, we were married at the time, which is one of the interesting aspects of Godanner. And it was the first show that I was the script writer on where he also was directing it. Wow. So that was a new thing. I was already an act, a voice actor and a script writer but he asked me specifically to do the scripts for that show. So that was kind of an interesting thing, since the main characters in the show are a husband and wife team. And, you know, you had a, a husband and wife team producing the English language version of the show. So that was kind of interesting. So as the script writer, the first thing that I do is I sit down and watch the entire show beginning to end before I'm written a single word or or anything that's my first thing is is sitting down and watching it my very first impression when i first started watching it is like oh my gosh with the t and a and this and it was too much you know and it was really like over the top and i i talked a lot with the translator about this um the late great amy forsyth so interestingly that you had a, a female translator and a female script writer. But we realized that so much of Godanner is really a parody of the whole giant robot genre and that the over-accentuation of many of the female characters in the show, their features, that it, we took that in, in a comedic spirit. Like it's, it was like really over the top, especially a Katarina. <laughs> but um, yeah, so my first impression of it that, oh, I don't know, this is like way too fan servicey, but I came to love it. I think that was sort of my impression back when I was a young Weeblet, because I was kind of a rebel in that once my parents got Netflix, I started becoming more interested in anime that weren't airing on Adult Swim. In fact, I believe yeah. the first ADV title that I ever rented, and this was my first exposure to Mecca that weren't named Evangelion, was yeah. another show you were involved in called Full Metal Panic. Mm. Yes, yes, indeed. I only worked on the um, second season, the Fumofu season. <laughs> the uh, spinoff, the comedy spinoff. Yes, yes, the one that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> um... But to get back to Godanner for a second, my first exposure to it, I had subscriptions to both 
New Type USA and Anime Insider. I missed out on the in. I missed out on the issue where Godanner was spotlighted in New Type, but I did get the mm. issue of Anime Insider, and I open up the front page and I see this big ad that's laid out like a comic book uh-huh. that like sums up the entire first yeah. episode of Godanner. And yes, I know exactly the ad you're talking about. Uh-huh. That was directly taken from the Japanese um, ad materials. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. I thought that that was written specifically for that magazine advertisement. You used it in the trailer, mm-hmm. too, with a guy talking like he's the Micro Machine Man. Yes. Oh, the trailer for Godanner. It's a star. It's one of the best trailers they ever did. Absolutely, without a doubt. I, I I remember very well the first time watching the trailer for No Danner, and I just thought it was brilliant. Now, I did not write the trailer. That was all Matt Greenfield. He when that. I first saw that trailer and that magazine, and I thought, huh, this is interesting. And then in that same issue of Anime Insider, they had this little listicle of five reasons you'll like you know, such and such show that's coming out. And Mm -hmm, the man in mm -hmm. charge of writing that column was a guy named Rob Bricken. Are you familiar with him? Oh, yes, yes. I remember Rob Bricken. Yeah, sure. Okay. Because, but for that month's issue, he wrote five reasons you'll love Godanner. And I forget the article's details, but one of them was Uh that it's a real team effort where he talked about just how much talent was behind on the Japanese side. And of course, the dubbing process that ADV used. We'll get to that in a second. And mm-hmm. the artwork that they used, it's Go and Anna out in front of the chapel with the Danner holding the Neo Oaxer in its arms. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. I remember that artwork that you're talking about. Uh-huh. So I go to an FYE. Uh-huh. And I noticed that there was the first DVD of Godanner there in, like, the new arrivals, or maybe it was in the used bin. Somebody probably mm-hmm. just watched it, saw Super Robots and Tiggle Biddies and said, nope, this ain't for me. So mm-hmm. I said, hey, one man's trash is another yeah. man's treasure. And so I coaxed my mom yeah. into buying it for me because I was still in, <laughs> I think I was still in I high school that. at the time. Got it home. Love that. And I cannot remember how I felt when I first watched it, but I'm like, whoa. This is just overload for me. Like, yes. I am mm-hmm. stunned by what I am seeing. Mm-hmm. This is just right. so much that's happening. And every time I saw a new DVD, whether it was at a Suncoast before they closed or like somewhere out right. in the wild, I would always mm-hmm. ask my mom if she could pick it up for me. And I'll never forget mm-hmm. where I was when I finished the series. Mm-hmm. It was in my mom's old minivan watching it on the van's DVD player on a road trip to Lake Placid for my brother's hockey tournament. Oh, wow. That's very memorable indeed. (laughs) I watched that DVD twice that weekend just so that I could take in the ending. Yes, and the narrator turns out it was the whole time. (laughs) I'm sorry, Tiffany, but I have to bleep that out because I don't want to spoil my audience. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, of course, we knew it. We knew it the whole time. That's part of the reason you you have to watch as the scriptwriter. You have to watch the entire show because it's so common in anime that there will be some major 
plot revelation or plot twist and turn thing that comes up in the last episode or second to the last episode or something. So, you know, when you find out that such and such character is really this character's secret twin or father or mother or brother or, you know, whatever, it happens all the time in anime. So that's why, you know, if you've got a writer and they're not watching, I mean, look, save apart from something crazy like One Piece that's got, I don't know, 1300 episodes, obviously you can't watch that. But when you have a show that only has 26 episodes, yes, obviously you watch the whole thing before you start on it. It's sort of why I'm kind of reluctant to watch a lot of long-running shonen. I'm more comfortable watching and reviewing like short OVAs or movies or stuff that's like 12 to 26 episodes. I think the most I'd be willing yeah. to watch for a review for this podcast is like 52. Yeah, I, I agree. For me, it's satisfying to be able to watch something that you know there's going to be a complete story that you're getting. And I like that. A Godanner has a complete story. What I want to know is, how did you end up getting the role of Shizuru? And what were your impressions of her character? I think that was just really Matt casting me in that role because he felt like that was sort of the, the best fit for me in the show. I mean, she's a very feisty character, which I'm sort of known for playing, a kind of a, a loudmouth, bossy type, you know. I mean, she has one of the greatest catchphrases of all time. Who the hell do you think I am? I mean, apart from Asuka saying, what are you, stupid? I mean, who the hell do you think I am? It's, it's a freaking awesome catchphrase. So that was excellent. I was, yeah, I was excited about playing Shizuru. Um, that was awesome. Um, I remember watching it. I don't know if I watched even the entire first episode before I went over to into Matt's office and I said, okay, well, Brett Weaver was born to play the role of Go. Brett has to play Go. Period. End of discussion. It has to be Brett. And of course he agreed with me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Brett was absolutely perfect for that role. And um, I mean, he was amazing. So it was worth bringing him in from, from Austin to record it. It was great. And because of the recording process that we did that we haven't talked about yet, but you know, I got to actually work with Brett and that was amazing as well. I would absolutely agree with you. I actually prefer uh, Brett Weaver as Go over the Japanese actor Takayuki Kondo, which is no disgrace mm -hmm. to him. I think he did a great job, but like mm -hmm. for the character you have in Go, you couldn't have cast anyone better than Brett Weaver uh, for yeah. that role. Um, Just had to be Brett. <laughs> I have to say this before we get to the process. I mentioned uh -huh. this in the Full Metal Panic review, but I'm looking at the cast of Godanner for the dub. And yeah. I said this before and I'll say it again. This period for ADV was utter magic. It's like, to use a sports analogy, and I love me some hockey... It's like when your team has hoarded all of these prospects that are just itching to get on the team and they all finally come up and they all are total just clutch. Like, here's just a list of people in this dub that have yep. either served for a long time or are still active to this day. We just mentioned Brett Weaver's go. 
Anna, mm-hmm. the other half of our iconic duo, was played by Hilary Haig, who I had the pleasure of meeting Brilliant. At, in New York uh, Comic Con twice. Yeah, yep. She was brilliant as Anna. Perfect. I mean, perfect casting. No. One, one of Matt's favorites, Matt Greenfield. I, I would say if you if you asked me who is Matt Greenfield's favorite voice actor, I would say hands down it's Hillary Haig. But she was perfect for the role. Not many people can be able to go toe to toe with Mai Nakahara on the Japanese side, but I think Hillary Haig was absolutely spectacular. Other names that you'll recognize in this cast beyond Brett and Hillary, we've got. You, obviously, Tiffany, but then you've got mm-hmm. Monica Rial, Greg and Chris mm-hmm. Ayers, may Chris rest in peace, John Swayze, yeah. John Gramillion, yeah. Brittany Karbowski, Kira Vincent Davis, Chris Patton, Shannon Emmerich, Christine Outen, Mark Laskowski, Lucy Christian, Rob Mungle, Jay Hickman, yeah. and George Manley, among so many others. Yes, absolutely. It was a stellar cast. It was an amazing, an amazing cast. It was just brilliant. Very well done. Yeah. And Cynthia Martinez. Speaking of cast, this now brings us to the process, because from what I understand, Mm -hmm. Godanner's dubbing process was a lot different than what we're usually used to for Uh American anime dubbing. Well, for any dubbing, for any dubbing anywhere, it's not American. It's, It's a standard way. The standard process for dubbing of a foreign language film. So if if uh, a French dubbing company wants to dub a German film, or if a Japanese company wants to dub an episode of Friends, the standard process universally for dubbing of a foreign language film is you have the script crafted, obviously, where it's going to match more or less with the mouth movements, and then you bring in one actor at a time to record their dialogue. That is the industry standard for dubbing of a foreign language film. And that's really how it's done. So that's what I'm very much used to. That's what we're all used to. And that's the process. But something that Matt was picking up on in Godanner particularly is you have all of these teams. And most often the teams are there together. So if you think about another, any other anime, and I'm just going to say Evangelion for the sake of talking, Shinji might have a conversation with Ray, and then he turns around and he has a conversation with Misato, and then he's talking to Asuka, and then he's talking to... So you think about how many people are involved in that scene together. That's why dubbing is done the way that it's done, where you have one person at a time. But in Godanner, where you had these teams... You had the Chinese team and the Russian team and the American team and and so forth. And they had all of these scenes that were together. So what he realized is that he could bring in for all of the scenes, and we did still have independent things that we recorded individually, but for these scenes that we had where it was just one-on-one, that he would have both of the actors come in, and we had isolation booths. So we were each in our own booth, but we could see each other. So Shizuru's partner is Koji, which who's played by uh, Chris Ayers. And we were able to be in these two booths on opposite sides of the studio, but we could see each other. So they do all of those stereotypical robot things where they, in unison, shout their attacks or whatever, 
And it was fantastic. It's really absolutely one of the best acting experiences I've ever had in an anime that we could actually work opposite of another actor. And just Godanner was uniquely suited to be able to do that so that you could have um, Mokaku and Shikuyu, uh, Kelly Madison and George Manley, you could have them in there at the same time recording or um, Shannon Emmerich and Chris Patton. You know, you could, you could have these teams in there at the same time recording. And it was, it was magical in its own way. And I was able to record some one-on-one -on -one scenes like that with Brett Weaver and also with, uh, with Greg Ayers as well. Because there was kind of a, a different, like a relationship that she forms with uh, Shinobu, um, those younger brother. So, yes, that was really, really different. There have only been one or two other shows where I've been able to record in a, you know, in my, in a booth, like with another actor in their own booth. But, you know, at the same time as another actor. So that was very rare. But we did as much of the show like that as we possibly could. And it's just, it was the teams. That's what made it possible was the fact that they have so many scenes where they are in the teams together. So really like Hillary and Brett got to record a tremendous amount of their dialogue actually together at the same time. And it just, it just lends, I think, something to the performance that you wouldn't get otherwise. It's a shame that it's not practical to do it more often because it was a lot of fun. How much longer did it take compared to a traditional recording session at ADV oh. Films? Oh, I think it was faster. It was definitely faster. Really? Because... Oh, sure. Sure. I think absolutely it was faster. I mean, that may just be my perception. But because in the scenes where if you had a scene and there was, you know, more than two people, three, four, five, whatever, those scenes we all did separate. That's something that we did because logistically you can't have if there's a scene and there's six people you can't just have people sitting around waiting for their turn to come talk it just doesn't make any sense but yeah for the scenes that we had recording i mean i can still remember to this day doing those scenes particularly with chris and we could see each other and just focusing just looking at each other even though we were probably 30 feet apart from each other, we could see each other well enough to read each other's body language and be able to, you know, just launch into those simultaneous call outs at the same time. It was just, it was just great. It was really great. And you don't have to imagine what the other person's performance is going to be like, because you're, you're actually doing it right there. There's a lot of scenes where Go and Anna have to bicker with each other in the show <laughs> and in the dub. Yeah. It just, legitimately sounds like both Brett and Hillary are getting mm -hmm. into a disagreement with each other. It just flows yeah. so yeah. beautifully. Yeah, because they're actually, they're able to record it at the same time, going back and forth. And, and I, that was really such a, a wonderful uh, bonus, I think, to the show. And I think that's why the performances came out as well as they did and really enabled a lot of the actors to sort of bond with each other, even if maybe they didn't know each other that well. I mean, I don't know that Brett and Hillary particularly knew each other very well before they started doing the show, but obviously they, they formed something of a bond while they were working on it, and that was a magical thing. 
Before we get into our general thoughts, though, there are some actors mm-hmm. in this dub that I do want to shout out as mm-hmm. some of my favorite performers. And it's a woman who played a character who, in my eyes, is sort of like the sleeper star of the show. And that's Laura Chapman, who played Anna's mom, oh. Kiriko. What can yes. you tell me about her? Oh, well, I've known Laura for uh, about 30 years I met her doing a a children's stage play in 1993 before um, either one of us ever was doing anime. So I've known Laura for a long time. And I don't remember if Laura was my idea or Matt's idea for Kiriko, but she was perfect. I mean, she was amazing. Laura is just an amazing performer. She's very, very talented and she was terrific. She was absolutely terrific in the role. And really, she's, you know, she's the commander. She's everybody's boss. And uh, just just did a terrific job. I, I thought she was brilliant. She she was. I actually, again, I preferred her dub voice to the original uh, Takako Honda. No disservice to uh, Honda-san. But Laura mm-hmm. just, you can clearly tell she's playing the role of a commander so good and i think it's that sort of mm-hmm. gruff huskiness in her voice mm-hmm. i have a thing for voice actresses who have that sort of husky or raspy sort of voice mm-hmm. it's those rough yeah. edges that i really enjoy and another voice actress in this dub that has that rasp that i enjoy so much and i also want to ask about her is marcy ray who plays ekaterina uh, yes, Marcy. Oh, she is absolutely wonderful. Marcy and I both worked on the very first dub that ABV ever did. That was Guy Double Target, which is coming up on the 30th anniversary of that. And uh, Marcy's just, she's just delicious. She's so <laughs> wonderful as a Katarina. And uh, she and I are actually going to do an appearance at uh, like an anime store next month in Dallas or in Fort Worth. And I think it's really going to be her first public appearance. Oh my! So God. anybody in the Dallas Fort Worth area, you got to check it out. I think it's called um, Shoujo Anime House. So yeah, Marcy and I are going to be there. Sorry for putting in a plug, but I'm just saying anybody's a Marcy Ray fan. I don't think she's ever done any appearances before. So this is your chance. Get your Godanner merch signed and your Blue Seed and whatever else you got. Yeah. She, Marcy was terrific. She's a blues singer. Wow. So I love that. That tells you. Oh mm-hmm. God, I love that. She was... Yeah. I, I, I thought that she was a different actor, to be honest, because I just come off a of fundamental panic and you had an actress who had to do a Russian accent for one of the characters in oh, okay. one of the filler arcs. Mm-hmm. But it turns out I was thinking of somebody else. But I watched Gunsmith Cats after Godanner, mm-hmm. and as soon as I heard her speak with I the girl that she played, I said, "Yes." I said, "I know that voice." Yes, yes, she was Radanoff in Gunsmith Cats, which was one of the very early shows that we did. And I'm sure the fact that she did Radanoff is the one of the main reasons that that Matt cast her to play Ekaterina. And she fit that role like a glove. Oh, she did. There's, oh, she did. She just, mm, just delicious. There's so many other actors that I would love to 
ask and talk about, but our time together is limited. I do want to <laughs> shout out Rob Mungle as Shibaksa because uh, I uh, legitimately did not know that was him until I rewatched it and I read the credits. Because uh -huh. I'm just so used to Rob Mungle doing that goofy Ed Wynn sort of voice that he's got. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, was a, it was a great Rob Mungle role. Just a terrific role for him. Pops and how he hated being called Pops. Yeah. Oh, he was excellent. Ask Zenigata from Lupin the Third. He'll tell you that he gets used to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, speaking of people who are on the maintenance crew, I also want to shout out Kurt Stoll, who played ya Yanagi Sawa. Yeah, yeah, that was, I think that was probably one of the last things that he did because, um, you know, Kurt just got to a point where he just decided he didn't want to do anime anymore. He just didn't want to, it was always kind of a side gig for him. He's not primarily an actor. And, uh, I mean, he is famously known for playing Kinsuke Ida in Evangelion, and he was uh, Yagashi in Blue Seed as well. But um, kind of decided at some point around, like not too long after Godanner, that he was all done with anime. And so, yeah, we got him at least for, for Godanner, and that was good. He made a name for himself as a dork in a robot show, and he wrapped up his voice acting career playing another yeah. dork in a robot show. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we can sort of get to talking about the show proper. Mm -hmm. What do sure. you think makes Godanner such a great show? Because I could go on, actually by the time you hear this, I will have gone on for hours <laughs> about how much I love the show and why I think it's so good. But what do you think makes it stand out in a crowd of other robot shows from around this time? Well... Ways, it doesn't take itself self it does not take itself too seriously there's always kind of a week and a nod i don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say there's a there's a great line it was me who said it but it's uh it has all these little call outs and there was she has a line in there come with me if you want to live which is of course a very famous uh reference to uh to the terminator so it has those little kind of wink and a nod moments in it but to me, it's really about the relationships. And there are very deep, meaningful relationships with a lot of the characters, particularly the teams that I talked about. All of the teams, they do have very strong relationships within the teams. And then apart from those teams, there are other relationships, um, like the, the relationship that, um, that Shizuru has with Go and also with his brother Shinobu and uh, the relationship between um, going back to Laura Chapman, but Kiriko and Anna, you know, the mother-daughter relationship that they have. So uh, I, I think that they really do a good job of digging into those relationships. They feel real. You know, they don't feel just sort of like superficial fluff. They really feel like they're real relationships. There are real feelings and emotions behind them. And it's, you know, there's some cool sci-fi stuff going on and, you know, the jiggly bits and all that. The characters are pretty to look at, but it's funny. It's also really funny. The show is, it has a lot of very drama, you know, it's very dramatic, very serious stuff, but then it's also really, really funny. So it, d it doesn't let it get too dark for too long, and then you'll have uh, something funny that happens to kind of lighten the mood. 
you've mentioned the fan service in passing. You said that you had a little mm-hmm. um, discussion of fan service. I would like uh-huh. for you to say that now before I give my thoughts on both the show and why I think it's so great, as well as the fan service thing. But your thoughts on the fan service in Godanner and maybe fan service as a whole in anime, because uh, some of the. Uh, Bad faith actors, we shall call them, sort of have mounted this anti-fan service crusade. What say you? Yeah, well, look, I mean, fan service has almost always been a part of anime. At least it has been for decades. And, you know, okay, some of it, yeah, the girls are in a short skirt or a tight outfit or a revealing costume or, or whatever it is. And I guess that's just part of entertainment. Sometimes I, it can be gratuitous, and I, like I said, to me in Godanner, it really felt like it was over the top on purpose, like it was winking at you, like, oh, did you think that, you know, Anna had big boobs? Well, look at her mom. Oh, you think they have big boobs? <laughs> I got Ekaterina, and then you know, even the robot, even the robot, the Volspina. Yes, exactly. The women pilot these sort of female mechs that have giant breasts and have like breast cannons or breast lasers, you know. It's it's over the top. It's not even, it's really so much that it's actually, to me, not even salacious anymore because it was ridiculous. And the way I feel about it, so. My own take on fan service is that I am fine with it as long as it doesn't get in the way of the narrative or it doesn't become grating. And I think the reason why I was able to appreciate the fan service in Godanner is that when I first watched it, I'm like, wow, this is way too much and I kind of love it. The fan service just becomes a part of the show's fabric because Godanner is such a crazy over-the-top loving tribute to super robots from the likes of Go Nagai in the 1970s and some of the Sunrise stuff in the 80s and the Brave Robots Mm -hmm. in the 90s that Mm -hmm. the fan service just feels natural. And one observation Mm -hmm. that I had, there's a lot of perverted moments, a lot of skimpy outfits, nudity, panty Mm -hmm. shots, but there's like no pervert character in the show. And I admire them for showing Mm -hmm. that sort of restraint. There's a fine line between something like... Right, that's a very good point. Yeah. There's a fine line between Godanner, where it complements its nature, to something like Seki Ray, or for more recent fair, Monster Musume, where the characters are at least endearing enough, or the story's endearing enough, or there's this little sense of awareness as to the type of show it is where you just get used to it. Or something like Mouse, or Iken, or Makenki, where the fan service is used as a crutch, or it just mm. really squicks you out. Right. Right. It's, I don't, th- I think you're right. I think it just is a fabric of, part. it's just part of the show. It's just how it is. And after it's, it's kind of shocking at first, but then once you watch it and you start, it's like, oh, actually, yeah, that doesn't really bother me. It's pretty good. Like I said, I had a lot of conversations about this with, uh, with Amy Forsyth when we were first working on the show. And I, whenever I'm writing a script, I do turn to the translator very often to make sure that I'm staying on track, that I'm not veering off the path of the, uh, you know, intention, intentions of the storytellers. There's one scene, of course, involving Shizuru that's been 
passed around like a giant ass tub oh. of popcorn. Yes, it's a very famous internet meme of, and when you look at it, it doesn't even make any sense. When you, Shizuru is trying to squeeze through the window and baby's got back <laughs> and she's trying to, to fit her big old caboose through this tiny little window and uh, it's Shibaksa, an exhaust you, port. Oh, right. I'm sorry. I couldn't remember exactly. But yes, but she's trying to fit through this opening. And uh, Shabaksa Pops has told her that she that she can get in there. And there's a line about, you know, Shabaksa, you liar. <laughs> and uh, so when you see her from the outside and her rear end looks like it's definitely not going to fit through and then cut to an inside shot and the window is wider than she is. <laughs> The funny thing about like, that—that that part always bothers the hell out of me. It's like you just ruined the whole thing. They messed up the perspective, but it's still funny. What I find funny about that is ignoring the wonky perspective. It's a comedic moment that happens in an otherwise very melodramatic scene. And yes, yet that one bit of comedy doesn't ruin the moment. Right, because it's just a like a three-second gag. And then it's just back to the thing. Nobody acknowledges it. It doesn't linger. It's just, oh, Shizuru gets her ass stuck in a vent. Move forward. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. And that, and that's kind of what I meant about the, how the show, it's dramatic. There's tension. There's suspense. Uh, it, it's very serious at times. But then you'll just have something like that, and it just just lifts the mood just enough so that you can get through the rest of the scene without, you know, being pulled down too much by the, by the drama and the tension. Godanner is over the top, but I don't think it really wears out its welcome. And I think the pacing of the show, even though it's incredibly fast, it also knows when to slow down and let the viewer take everything in. I would agree. Aside from that, though, do you have like a favorite Shizuru moment? in the show well i mean we're trying not to be too spoilery but um i will say actually of the interactions that she had with shinobu i found their relationship to be shockingly wholesome uh yes i thought so too um i it's i don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say because this is pretty much apparent from very early on in the show but shizuru she clearly has had you know, a secret crush on Go for a very long time. So that is kind of something that she's dealing with and working through. But, I mean, there are, there are a lot of wonderful moments with Shizuru. And, and when um, it's, gosh, I'm trying to say stuff without spoiling things, but... Um, Mine is a spoiler, but I won't go into too much detail. Yeah, I, I will say when... She's visiting, uh, when she's going to visit Koji, um, I will say that also. Oh, that's a, that's a good moment too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mine is, and it's a bit of a spoiler, but I won't give away too much. Mm-hmm. It's her last stand against the mimetic beast towards the end of part mm -hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. To go a little more into spoilers... By using a well-worn internet meme, if I had two nickels for every time Tiffany Grant played a robot pilot that gets foobarred by a horde of monsters, <laughs> I would have two nickels. It's not much, but it's funny that it's happened twice. 
Yes. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of my niche, you know. Like I said, I'm now I'm playing uh, German mecha pilots who wear an eye patch over their left eye. So somebody's got to do it. My description of Shizuru is that she's a show off like Koji. But Koji's more like mm-hmm. your traditional Gona guy, all, all yes. hot-blooded, all fight to the bitter end, saying like, hey, looky what I can do, sort of thing. Yeah. Shizuru is more of a show-off where she prefers speaking through her actions, not words. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's quite the badass. Outside of Shizuru, do you have a favorite character in the show? Because I've sort of already given mine with Anna's mom, mm-hmm. Kiriko, and it's not just for her design, even though that's kind of what attracted me to the show in the first place. Yeah. Um, goodness. Uh, favorite character in the show. I don't know. Um, honestly, that, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. That's, that is really difficult for me to say. Um, what as far as like comic relief, Mark Laskowski's character, I think it was Morimoto. That's correct. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's just for comic relief. I, I did enjoy I did enjoy that character, but that's this is a very Mark character that he played. Based mm-hmm. on Joe Yabuki from Tomorrow's Joe. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's a lot of Tomorrow's Joe references with Morimoto. Okay. But, you know, unless mm-hmm. you've seen Tomorrow's Joe, you wouldn't get that. And I like that. There are references right. to other things in Godanner, but they're subtle. Mm-hmm. As I say right. on social media, the best references are the things that you don't know are supposed to be references. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have... Right, I mean, like, the one that I mentioned was the, the Shizuru line of, um, come with me if you want to live. And that's a, it's a Terminator reference but well that's uh that's that's a line of dialogue i'm talking more like overt visual references like poses or cutaway gags ah oh i see yeah well i mean just in general a lot you know there's just so many of the traditional giant robot tropes in there with the poses and with the attacks and the call outs it's i the only show that I've ever worked on that that had those old-fashioned call-outs for the attacks. And I loved it. That was super, super fun to do. Um, well, I'll give you another uh, reference. You know uh, Chris mm-hmm. Ayer's character, Tetsuya Koji? He yes. is a double reference. Because his name is taken from Tetsuya Surugi from Great Mazinger... And Koji okay. Kabuto from Mazinger Z. The staff okay. named one of their characters after the two main pilots from the Alpha of Super Robot series, the Mazinger series. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it, but I mean, I'm familiar with it. I, I'm aware of its existence. It's a lot more important than you would ever imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, we're, we're nearing the end of our interview. Do you have a favorite robot from the show? Do, uh, do I have a favorite robot? Um, you know, I mean, when, um, the, uh, the Danner and the Oaks are, when they, uh, 
line. I I always loved that that sequence, their combination sequence when they join together. Um, my gosh, I'm I'm just having a brain fart here. But the yeah, whenever whenever they're joined together, that's probably my favorite one. When the twin drive mode for Go Danner and the and the Neil Oakser are twin. Yeah, the twin drive mode. Yes. That, um, I would say that, because that's pretty freaking cool. Why not? Mine, I'm going to be a basic bastard and say that my favorite is the Neo Oaxer. It's a logical okay. evolution on, once again, a Mazinga reference, it's the logical evolution mm. of the old Aphrodite A mecha. The Aphrodite mm -hmm. A, I understand, is an important design, but I've never really cared for it. I just think it looks gaudy with its magenta and orange coloring, but the Neo Oaxer looks mm -hmm. very majestic. It's just enough. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you, you mentioned how it has, you know, large uh, chesticles on its front. Ha ha ha. Mm -hmm. Yes. But yes. it's not like they're super big or super pronounced. Like, it looks like a Gravure model as a robot. There's a sense of nuance yeah. to it. Yeah, that's a good Right, that's a, that's a good uh, comparison, yes. My favorite features, though, are not like its feminine features. I prefer, like, its little hairstyle. It's got that Odongo and mm. the fairy wings that it has on its back. Its full, mm -hmm. its full model name is Fairy Armor Neo Oaxer. Oh, okay. I guess I'd forgotten about that, but... <laughs> Well, when you're a teenager looking for Godanner merchandise on eBay and you see the only like Got real it. merch is the Gachapon figures, like they've listed mm -hmm. the full codename of Fairy Ar Armor Neo Oaxer. Well, I do have a little a little Shizuru figure. Have you I seen on, yeah. Have you seen the new Shizuru figure that's coming out from uh, Wonderfest? I definitely have not. Let's just say they put a little extra icing on that cake. <laughs> okay. That is all I'm going to say about that. I'll see if I... Yeah, there wasn't much merch made for the show. Like, there was no, there some really garage wasn't. kits. Mm -hmm. And, like, recently there was a Good Smile Modroid kit of the Twin Drive Mode. But, like, when you look mm. at how the robots combine in the show... You think to yourself, there's no way they could ever make figures of this. Like, it's no, aimed toward could. an older, more mature audience. And the way the robots are combined, there is no way you could replicate this on a figure. No, you can't. Because it's kind of just like a magical thing that happens. It's as, like, not really logical, but... Let's wrap things up here. Do we have sure. any, like, favorite moments from the show not relating to Shizuru? Because I have mine. I I really, and this is a random thing, and you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, but just sort of like the home life experiences between Go and Anna, and when they're having their little bickering moments, just because it it feels like it's very grounded. You know, there's even though it's this sci-fi show and robots fighting these mimetic beasts and all of these like mysterious things that are going on just some of that I, I really liked i just like the interpersonal relationships of the characters that's really what draws me into the show 
As some of the people who have never seen any mecha on Twitter will tell you, unlike other mecha anime, Godanner is about the characters and not the robots. But that's sort of the thing. That's all mecha anime. All mecha anime will focus on the characters and right. their interpersonal relationships and how the battles affect them. And we got into this mm -hmm. in the review when we talk about how Go is this jaded 30-something who, yeah. after years of fighting the mimetic beasts, has sort of lost a bit of his motivation. If I had to pick a favorite moment of mine, and I won't mm -hmm. go into too many details, mm -hmm. I absolutely love how Go Danner ends. As cool mm. as the big final battle is, the last episode is something I wish there was more of in anime, and that is Godanner has an epilogue. It's <laughs> an episode that neatly ties together the various storylines as best as it can. It shows right. that the story of Go, Anna, the crew of the Danner base the maintenance people, the bridge bunnies, the international pilots, Shinobu, mm. Shizuru, and the rest of them is complete. Yes. And as much yes. as we might like a sequel, we are perfectly fine with what they have. The crew right. behind the scenes have told it. their story, and that is all that has to be said. Mm -hmm. There are others that I could mention that made me laugh, I didn't really cry on my third go-around, although it was hearing the first ending, that ballad, and shedding a tear knowing that Ichiro Mizuki, one of the singers, is sadly no longer with us anymore. Mm -hmm. May the one we call Aniki rest in peace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think... I, I certainly have a lot of nostalgia for working on the show, and particularly for the the wonderful experiences that I had recording with Chris Ayers and he was a very dear friend of mine and he passed a couple of years ago. So that those are some really nice memories for me about working on the show, working, working with Chris. I was very lucky to have Chris and Greg Ayers autograph one of my Godanner DVDs. I still have the single discs that I bought all those years ago, mm -hmm. and they still play beautifully. I got yeah. Hillary's autograph, as I mentioned earlier, at mm -hmm. New York Comic Con a few years ago, and I didn't even tell her what my name was, so she just wrote down on it to the Super Robot fan. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you have those original DVDs, that's great, because when they were coming out like that, those individual volumes, uh, you got uh, a lot of extra features on the DVDs at that time. And of course, a lot more artwork because every single DVD had its own cover. So you got a lot more artwork than just, you know, if you bought a box set that's got one cover on the case. We and the box, the box for the, the art box for the, the DVD set was fantastic. And it was that comic strip style, like you mentioned, and that was directly, they, they directly imported that over from the Japanese version of that. That's the one thing I regret about watching Godanner was not getting the art box release when I saw it. 
Because I thought, yeah. eh, I already have Volume 1, I'm good. But that, you know, compared to other chipboard boxes at the time, and I do miss the days of those old chunky art boxes, that's mm-hmm. the one thing I wish that I got. And, you know, those single discs, they did come with booklets that have interviews with the staff and the cast. Yeah. And the yeah, composer, really nice uh, back then, Shumei yeah. Watanabe. I think what's really nice, though, is that if you get the Blu-ray release from Sentai, it comes with those booklets. They just oh, compiled okay. them into one big booklet for those uh, Blu-ray. Oh, that's excellent. I, did, I hadn't seen the Blu-ray release. That's nice to know. That's what I understand. But I love when you get a little extra like that. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, when um, when Sentai started doing the, the DVDs for that several years ago, and after that got imported over from from the you know original ADV license, I remember doing a uh, a couple of times. I went to conventions and did panels about Godanner. I love Dan- Godanner. I'm wearing a Godanner T-shirt right now, so it's a one of a kind. For about a year, ADV in I think it was around 2006, they had a website, ADV Shirts or something like that, and you could go on there and select. Uh, the image that you wanted and the style of shirt and the color and you know all of these different things and when they were beta testing the website i i ordered two shirts off of there with custom artwork that was never available to the public so the godanner shirt that i have is a one of a kind which makes me very happy i never bought a godanner shirt mostly because of the artwork i mean i bought anime t-shirts but like seeing the images that were available i had too much dignity to ever wear something like that to high school well yeah probably not appropriate and mine's not even that bad i've worn it in public a lot Hmm. it's it's shizuru anna and mira we haven't even really talked about mira but that's fine that's fine this is more about you than uh, okay. anything else. <laughs> so, Tiffany, before we wrap things up, how do you want yeah. Go Danner to be remembered or to be viewed by people who may not be familiar with it or have seen it once or something? I hope that they'll watch it and enjoy it and just have fun with it and find it entertaining. I mean, after all, that's that's what this is. It's all entertainment, and I just hope people will watch it and enjoy it and they will feel that joy that we had in making it because I've talked with pretty much all of the actors, maybe not recently, but about how we all enjoyed it working on it at the time, that we all just genuinely had a wonderful time working on the show. And I think that that's something that the audience can feel and I hope they do. From other people who have viewed it, I can pretty much say that everyone I follow on Twitter who has taken the plunge on Godanner can tell you they love it. Well, and that's very, wonderful. And I am very happy to see others taking the plunge on this funny, goofy, but ultimately loving and sincere tribute to Super mm-hmm. Robots from 2003. Mm-hmm. And again, if you want to watch it, it is all available on High Dive and on Blu-ray, courtesy of Sentai Filmworks. Wonderful. 
So, Tiffany, mm-hmm. uh, plug whatever you've got going on, where we can find you on social media, appearances, and so forth. Okay, right. Well, uh, on Facebook, you can find me in the Tiffany Grant Fan Club. I am also on YouTube. That's at Tiffany Grant 2365. I'm now on Cameo, as a matter of fact, at Tiff Grant. And I would love to see you in any of those places. I even have a website, TiffanyGrant.com. You can go to the Facebook group or my website and see where I will be appearing next. And if you want to follow me on social media, you can find me at Otaku Nate Show on Twitter and Facebook. You can follow me on Instagram at NateTendoWee, where I am posting photos of myself at sporting events and uh, hockey season starting up soon. So you can... Uh, you can uh, possibly expect to see some uh, photos of me going to said sporting events. Although, don't ask me for my scores on Puck Doku if you are a hockey fan, because I'm not sharing my <laughs> answers with you. <laughs> anyway, that'll do it. We hope you enjoyed this time around, and stay tuned for the Ristorante Paradiso review coming out, hopefully within a few weeks. So until then, this is Otaku Nate. And this is Tiffany Grant. And we're signing off and saying, Tiffany, take us out. Who the hell do you think I am? Oh no.